0: Hey, kids, what time is it? It's time for another episode of Brio TV, the podcast. I'm your host, Bill Brio, and we've got another great guest for you today. But first, this episode is brought to you by Super Channel, providing viewers with exceptional value and variety, CTV, which urges you to get into it this winter, and Hollywood Suite, home of the best movies of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s thanks for joining us again here on brio tv the podcast my guest today very excited to talk to this gentleman met him on a couple of occasions always enjoy chatting very successful writer producer showrunner on both sides of the border a uh, kid from Montreal, Mr. Tim McAuliffe. Tim, great to see you today.
1: Thanks for having me, Bill.
0: Listen, um, I, and let me start off by congratulating you. on uh, You are the showrunner of a hit CBC series, Son of a Critch. I found out today that uh, the opening audience for the first day was over 740,000. That's a huge number in Canada now, Tim, and uh, I don't think any other canadian cbc show scripted show has topped it in overnights so far this season so congratulations
1: that's awesome i'm just happy people watched i mean it is it's such a fun it was such a fun time making it so i'm glad people actually you know took the time to watch it
0: well it looks like it was fun i loved it and it, it um reminded me a lot of um uh the wonder years uh, it was it was very much uh, St. John's version of that I thought that was set a little bit later um but my god I is there really a Wayne and schuster lunchbox does that exist is that a real thing
1: <laughs> we uh, we made that it's really funny because Mark and I were both like we really liked Wayne and schuster growing yeah, up and yeah. and uh and we made it and so we had to get the uh the go-ahead from the like the Schuster family, I believe. And, and, uh, and Mark like went on to a family zoom and pitched what we were doing and that sort of thing. And they were really nice and they, they let us do it. And, uh, and so, or was it the Wayne family? I can't, sorry. I apologize. But, uh, but one of the families and basically they, they were really nice and and just said, yeah, we love the idea. And, uh, and, Please do, and so we we kind of did that with uh, a bunch of people. We had to we had to get clearance from the Rickles family and uh, a bunch of different uh, different. Uh, Paul Anka had to give us approval for Diana <laughs> and stuff like that. So we really were going at you know just finding all these people and, and getting them to sign up. In fact, I think we had the Poison song in the first episode. The weirdest thing happened where we we went to Brett Michaels for that one, and Brett Michaels wrote back and said i'm a huge mark critch fan. and i was like i mean not that you know i, I live in the states it's, we don't get 22 minutes here and i was just wondering how he knew of mark but uh, it's wonderful so it was uh, it was really cool we've uh, we've yep. had to go down the road of, of of mining some some really great songs and and and
0: ip to the uh, music's awesome and just so people know for sure this is uh based on a memoir by mark critch of his early life growing up in st johns with his family his dad was in radio and uh all these characters mark plays his own father on the show uh, i think it must be set in the 80s i guess in uh in uh, st johns 86. 86, okay, and, uh, so you hear a lot of music, you hear Rush. Uh, And you hear Dean Martin. You hear because (laughs) this kid, Mark Critch, 10-year-old Mark Critch, he had very sophisticated music tastes. He listened to uh, Dino and uh, early Frank Sinatra and makes that distinction. Yes, exactly. uh, I I, I mean, I ate this up with uh, two spoons and a fork. It just uh, was right down my alley, man. Um, Just the fact that the guy, the kid is sleeping in a bed and pasted on the wall are pictures of Rich Little and... And um, <laughs> Captain Canada, who was a hero, most Canadians don't know Captain yeah. Canada, but it was very East Coast popular comic book hero. Uh, it
1: was it Captain Canuck? I think
0: Captain Canuck. There you go. And and also there was another iconic. Uh, I don't know if it was Rush, but it, anyway, you just you had the right you oh, pushed the all grand, the buttons uh, what is it the
1: the grand jam Van or the, what's the oh, oh sure
0: yeah yeah those guys yeah that that inspired everybody yeah. on, on the east yeah. coast uh so um yeah and and um how the hell did you get malcolm mcdowell
1: <laughs> well it's funny we we um we knew that we wanted to uh you know sort of open it up and and uh you know mark's family had been from you know, from overseas and even from Liverpool, I believe, and and so oh. it was uh, it was kind of actually perfect, and and so we had some casting agents out there in in the UK, and they uh, forwarded the book uh, and the script to Malcolm, and he read it in a day, and he wanted to have a Zoom right away, and so we had uh, a Zoom call with him, and he lives in Ojai, just outside of LA here, and uh, we we just chatted with him, and he's like. He just loved it, and he was just—he just understood it, and—and uh, and, I mean, if I don't know how many you've seen Bill, but like the—the the show with him as it progresses is uh, amazing. With his performance, is heart wrenching. It's um, hilarious, and—and he—he just turned out that he really did understand the character, and so it was really cool to see.
0: I can hardly wait so, to to see beyond the first two that I have seen. But he is he plays Pops, yeah. who's the grandfather in the house, and uh, wonderful performance so far that I've seen. So, congrats! Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank um, you. yeah
1: he's, and, he's he's also uh, just a wonderfully nice guy too. He he uh, has this energy that we would go to rock concerts uh, on George Street until eleven like <laughs> thirty or twelve at night, and he got to be up at five, and he was just partying down and having a good time so it it really really was fun he's a great great guy
0: George Street is the street in uh, St. John's where there's like uh, 150 bars on uh, maybe you know 8 blocks right it's (laughs) Yeah, it's an incredible, incredible trip. And um, I talked to Malcolm. He was doing um, Mozart in the Jungle uh, five or six years ago, and I was on a press junket in New York and was uh, so impressed. He was full of energy then and so many great stories. Uh, You know, to sit with this guy, uh, if you had 15 minutes, this must have been a fun, fun part of the gig right
1: oh it's crazy we we'd uh we were shooting uh 15 minutes outside of st john's in a hollowed out home depot which was it was freezing cold and and just we built a, a set inside there and so it's in the middle of this industrial park and we created a little tent where the whole cast and everyone just sat there was it was a really fun little room but the tent was to sort of just create body heat and uh and um basically we, he just tells story after story and the, the stories, you know, they always include like, you know, Peter O'Toole or Stan, Stanley Kubrick and things like that. And, right. you know, it's, it, you can't really match a story like, you know, no. you, you know, so you just listen. And it was, you know, he told one, you know, about Sean Connery and, and uh, a whole bunch of people just all with the same agent sitting in the back room somewhere. And, uh, Oh my god i'm blanking on his name now uh peter sellers was right. um sitting there him. and i yeah. guess he had his head down on the table and he was acting kind of strange and, and then uh someone lost an earring and so for 20 minutes he did cluso looking for the earring and everything like that and i was like oh my god i, I can't compete with that story you know it's just amazing he was investigating and you know bumbling and all that stuff and i just think oh wow. god he's had this life you know that's
0: amazing and and uh, i seem to recall i don't know if he brought this up but when i talked to him i mean he's playing the father of mark's father and uh, that uh, malcolm McDow- mcdowell he had a relationship a good relationship with his dad i think it, he told me about it i think what he became famous overnight after he made the movie if that he and his dad went out to the theater, and there were people lined up all around the block. And you know, it was quite a moment for him, like fifty years ago or whatever that was, nineteen seventy. Um, so it's uh, he, he a really cool. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, he he seems like the kind. Of, I mean, he's got such a great relationship with his family now and then i I, the story has always included his his parents and his ancestors and his aunt who i think lived in his house and in fulham and that sort of thing and he just it's just he's a very warm individual and so it's we'd go for dinner and just chat and it's just really fun to to have him on board and i mean it just again it's just one of those things where he understood the role so much and he even said to us sometimes he'd go i, I think i'm gonna go in and cry on this one and we were like wow okay wow and then he would go do it and then it would be mark and i would look at each other and go like wow our script was really crap compared to this performance like it's it's like <laughs> elevated it and now we get to take credit for it so it's pretty awesome
0: <laughs> well tell me uh you know inquiring minds need to know that the very first scene in the pilot episode we find him in the he's sharing a room with young mark who's 10 pops is in the next bed and he gets up and moons the kid basically so does Mal, did you have to get a butt double i guess tim is what i'm asking or no, that's all malcolm wow he
1: insisted, yeah he uh, he wanted to do it and um <laughs> we ended up reshooting that because we had not gotten enough but <laughs> 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 so we uh, went back and shot it and malcolm was just yeah no problem you know like no problem and uh, so he just is he's kind of just game you know like he's just a just a cool cool guy so that
0: just, is fantastic good for yeah. for you guys and him we'll be right back with more from tim McAuliffe in just a moment interrupt this podcast to give a shout out to something from one of our sponsors that you should also be listening to a year in film a hollywood suite podcast listen as the movie experts from hollywood suites a year in film tv series becky shrimpton alicia fletcher and cameron maitland make like marty mcfly and turn back time to revisit a different era of film in each episode, they track the top trends and forgotten milestones that defined each year and continue to influence us to this very day. A recent episode deals with the year 1997 and two action films in particular, Face-Off and Con Air. Both starred cinema wild man Nicholas Cage in all his 90s glory, Toronto-based film critic Radean, Simon Pilari joins Alicia and Becky as they try to make sense of Cage's kooky 1997 performances. Other episodes deal with all kinds of movies from 1971, 1980, 1986, 1997, and 2000. It's all part of the deal with Hollywood Suite, bringing you the best films from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, all on four channels and on demand. And we're back with son of a Critch showrunner Tim McAuliffe. You've, you've known Mark Critch for a long time. Did you guys meet when uh, on uh, Twenty Two Minutes? Was that where you first uh, do each other, or did you know beyond that? Yeah, we
1: met in two thousand seven when I uh, started writing on Twenty Two, and then he um, he and I just connected right away, and then we started writing together. And we used to do this thing where we'd go to a restaurant on Tuesday nights and write out all of our sort of script ideas on cocktail napkins and we would take this per diem that we'd get and just blow it on a steak dinner you know <laughs> and, nice. and get some yeah. nice wine and yeah we'd write them on cocktail napkins and then the next morning we would wake up and you know a little bleary-eyed I guess and then uh, try to deduce what the cocktail napkin said <laughs> and type it up and so we started writing together on that stuff and then Years later, I, I ended up running 22, and then we – so that was fun. And I think – and then we um, just kept writing together and wrote, you know, a lot of stuff for just for laughs. We wrote a Muppets gala that was really fun. And and we'd been looking for something to do um, beyond that. And we – you know, some silly harebrained ideas that were, you know, like, you know, some, some weird premise that didn't really seem relatable in a lot of ways. And, and then Mark wrote the book. And so I was just like, well, why don't we just do your book? I mean, you've already written it. It's like, you know, uh, it seems like low hanging fruit and it's also a real story and yeah. it's very heartfelt and emotional. And, and so we just decided to pitch that. And, uh, it's been, it's been a great relationship. Mark married my wife and I, and uh, I am seed his wedding. And, wow, and so, really? yeah, yeah. We're really, uh, Type, thick as thieves yeah but
0: uh, that's cool yeah, yeah. um so so is the is the marriage valid then if mark did it i don't know i'd investigate oh, I, yes
1: well no he uh, he got ordained <laughs> fully on the internet the universal church of uh of awesomeness or something like that and he <laughs> he just yeah <basically, laughs> uh, so yes we're not sure you know but uh yeah he no, he, he, now, like, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just put on a show it was really kind of fun so that's
0: fantastic good for you guys um and you i think the last time we spoke tim may have been uh you were in toronto working on a show uh satisfaction for ctv right oh yeah yeah and and uh, and of course mark was also involved in that show as well right yeah that's
1: right right, gary yeah 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 he's uh he he and i have a real fascination with um old radio like i used to work uh for CJAD in montreal and cfrb oh. and uh, in uh FRA in Ottawa, sorry. Yeah. and uh so i used to do the boards you know for 60 yeah. an hour um and uh so we just love radio guys and we love just that world and so that guy kind of came out of our our uh i mean obviously mark Grew up at a radio station, so it's a uh, right. it's something he knows well. But that uh, Mark's character was the silly character that we really love, uh, Gary Breakfast, and uh, basically <laughs> it, it basically came out of that that world of guys like you know that uh, worked in radio and stuff. So, I uh, love, but it. yeah, that was uh, that was, uh, was two thousand fourteen, four thirteen, yeah, jeez, yeah,
0: years ago, yeah. And and uh, well, let's I'll ask about this now because satisfaction was that a show? I believe you were was, or maybe I'm got it confused were you guys was that a one camera show or did you try and do that in front of a studio audience
1: no so yeah that was a one camera show right, and right. i even um and then uh, dave uh, foley had
0: uh that's the one i'm thinking at the same show. time yeah yeah yeah. yeah right um, it so doesn't yeah. seem though like in canada that'll that'll ever work right uh you, it, the yeah
1: oh yeah it's it's, it's an interesting I almost wonder if multicam is, is, you know, I don't know. Is it, it? It Big Bang was a pretty big success, but might be fading. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I love multicam TV. I mean, Seinfeld and Cheers are two of my favorites. You know, yeah. so yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It is kind of interesting too that I think a lot of networks have. Chosen not to do that many comedies this year here in the states, and and so it, it almost feels like the you know it sort of ebbs and flows, and just yeah. sort of might be a
0: little bit uh, of a recession. I tend to look for the comedies first. I'm I'm looking for a laugh, and and when I'm watching TV or streaming or and and I find you know there's some sensational comedies with Hack, and uh, you know there's elements oh, yeah. of Ted Lasso and and things like that, but. Um, it's it's slim pickens uh on network you're right its it's uh it's certainly that that trend is the on a downturn right now, but here we are sitting at home alone for two years. people are dying to laugh right so <laughs> I think son of a Critch really hit a nerve when it premiered on Tuesday because it gives permission to let it go right
1: yeah I think so i think uh it, it it's one of those ones where Mark and I have been working on the script for the pilot for two and a half years now, <laughs> I was like, I, I texted Mark on the day of the premiere. I said, is it funny? <laughs> 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 uh, we just did it together. Funny. Yeah. Oh,
0: thanks. Let me yeah. reassure you. Yes, it is. I love <laughs> you've, got, you've got Mark's dad, this radio guy, and he's out this, on the street. The moose is just smacked into a car, and he's describing whether it's male or female, and then throws in that... Two people were killed, one of them seriously, which is hilarious. Yeah. Very funny lines. You know,
1: so. um, that, that line, the one seriously is the only line that's not actually from the broadcast his dad did uh, of a moose outside their place. And uh, the sex of the moose has not yet been determined. Wow. And, uh, he, wow. I guess uh, that he, Mike Critch would, would there, his whole thing was that he would present news stories, the smallest news stories in the most over-the-top dramatic ways. And people loved it. And yeah. so I think, I don't know if Mark's told you this story, but he, his dad, I guess, someone had robbed uh, a Mary Brown's chicken, which is a big chicken chicken right. out there yeah. in Newfoundland. And, uh, and I guess what happened was they had, they had gotten very little from the cash, so they asked for a barrel of chicken as well, like a bucket of chicken. And so they waited like 20 minutes for them to cook it up. And then I guess they ate it, on the way home, and just like, uh, you know, Hansel and Gretel dropped the chicken bones, And so the cops followed the chicken bones and found it. And I guess Mark's dad was sort of broadcasting in a way that was like the two uh, two youths. Uh, He'd always start by saying late last night, early this morning, uh, details are scanty, but two youths. were, uh, were uh, robbed a Mary Brown's chicken store, and the cops were able to find him by tra- uh, tracing a trail of denuded chicken bones. <laughs> denuded, like, <laughs> it's just like just very over the top, and and, wow. uh, and so that's, he just uh, yeah, really interesting character. So,
0: yeah, pretty specific.
1: And then uh, oh, just also Bill on that yeah. one that that um, moose. Yeah, we uh, it was a uh, it's a prop moose, and uh, basically what happened was we had to get it flown in, but it's um, It comes back in another episode outside the window at one point. And uh, so we had a, there's two uh, puppeteers. It's a puppet. It's an actual puppet. Wow. And uh, they flew out and the moose didn't make it. It was caught like in the uh, Halifax Harbor. And so they had to go back home to Toronto and then fly back out just to film this little moose scene. But it's, it's uh, multiple people controlling this, uh, wow. this animatronic moose, and so that that uh, moose was a, a really kind of one of the bigger expenditures on our budget was just <laughs> to get that on a on a boat to come out so uh, and did the critch family
0: really eat moose meat that night was that the-
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah with the with shards of glass inside
0: <laughs> very funny episode it's pretty and the second episode's funny too so congrats on that that's great there are, are there 13 of them i guess uh this 13, yeah and
1: yeah. so we get into um the royal visit mark uh, oh great mark was a big monarchist as a kid um, okay. and so we have a version of uh, die coming and stuff like that and we mix it with you know actual archival footage uh, which really kind of fun and, and there's a, just a bunch of uh, there's an up, upcoming episode where um, basically the uh, for a while there they, I, the cucumbers were in short supply and I think a lot of time you can't really grow anything in Newfoundland so they built uh, the sprung greenhouse which is um, was a, at a cost, I believe, to taxpayers of about twenty eight fifty a cucumber that they grew in there. So, <laughs> so they would sell them for fifty cents, but the government was out twenty eight bucks on every cucumber. And so, Mark actually, when they did build that uh, greenhouse, I guess his bedroom was lit up orange for a long time, and, and just because you could see it for miles. Um, and it, I think it lasted about a month and, it, it, yeah, <laughs> and so we do one on that and it's, it's kind of fun and very touching and kind of, it, I, I don't know. It's just a really fun, um, opportunity to sort of trace, uh, Newfoundland history as well as, uh, yeah. as, you know.
0: it, it is Tim, but you know what, I, I also related to it, um, you know, growing up in Etobicoke, like it was very. Oh, good. Uh, you oh, know, good. Yeah. I, I got I got strapped by nuns. You know, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it re- reminded me of my own uh, childhood, and uh, I think uh, the relationship between uh, young Mark and his friend and uh, the crush he has on Fox and all these other people uh, really uh, was uh, heartfelt and fun. It was it was very good. So oh, congrats. that's
1: cool. I, yeah, I uh, went to school in Montreal at a Jesuit Catholic school as well, and yeah. our detention was called
0: JUG, which
1: stood for Judgment Under God.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Subtle, yeah. It was bazillions who uh, I went to a, a high school, Michael Power in uh, Toronto, yeah. in Topical, and the the detention was Hans D. We had this – crazy bazillion father burns and you had to leave your put your hands on a table but uh, and if you move them the it, its attention was only 15 minutes but if you flinched or move you had to start again okay. but he would make you sit at the back in front of an open window we would all go outside throw snowballs at the head of the kid <laughs> and they'd flinch like this and they'd have to start again it would go on for an hour you know <laughs> well Let's those are the things yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. Um, how, Tim, how did you get into this? Uh, w- when you were growing up in Montreal, was this something you aspired to early? Did you? Uh, w- at what point did you think I'm going to write?
1: Well, I I started uh, actually went into um, advertising uh, in Toronto uh, right out of college. I went to Carleton and um, then uh, went into uh, advertising, and I and, uh, started making uh, shorts uh, during that time and it was like 2000 and i made a a, a short commer- like a fake commercial for my 88 Dodge Eris, uh which i was really truly trying to sell and it was you know just a pile of crap and i made it like with quick cuts and like fast action and like you know try to like 22 horsepower engine standard and things like that and like <laughs> and uh i put it up online uh on there was no youtube at the time so it was a thing called ad critic and uh i put it up and it it actually, at the end of the commercial, I'd put up $200 for best offer and put my phone number. Uh, And so then it started getting all this attention and traffic and, um, and then they played it on the jumbotron at Madison Square Garden during a Rangers game. Wow! Day. And wow. so my phone number was at the end, and so I started getting 500 phone calls a day. And Bell called and said, "Do you want like a corporate line? Like you're getting so much traffic to your phone call uh, to your phone?" And uh, everyone would just call and say, "Is that your car?" And then go, and I say, "Yeah," and they go, "Ha ha, loser!" You know, and then they would hang <laughs> up. And then I never, I never sold it, but I, uh, so, I, but I started realizing, like, oh, I kind of like writing, you know, this stuff. And I thought, oh, that got some attention and and so i i started doing that and then uh went to um work uh then i finally just decided oh you know what i'm gonna quit advertising and was broke uh for about a year and then um got a job at much music just uh I helped create a show, Video on Trial, which was... Oh, yeah. yeah
0: and then, Great uh, show. It was... Oh, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, My kids grew up on that show, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Katie and Dan are... Uh, she's 31, and he's 29 almost. So, um, yeah, they they really watch that all the time. They love that show. It was, it was pretty fun. Uh, and
1: oh, I don't know if you Yeah, I the right age, age range for that, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: right. yeah. 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 I don't know if you... Uh, there's a special out now, a uh, uh, um, documentary on Bob Einsteins. Super Bob, Super Dave Osborne. Oh, yes, yeah. And I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it's interesting. He started out also in advertising and, um, you know, then sort of got together with the Smothers Brothers and sort of stumbled into it uh, in a very sort of like your Dodge story. Like he was doing something else that Tommy Smothers happened to see, and then he asked him, do you want to write for this Glenn Campbell good time hour? And I, you can sit, sit with this guy, Steve Martin, see what you come up with, you know? It's funny oh, wow. how things happen, eh?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Bob Weinstein. super yeah cute. And then, of course,
0: on curves. So, yeah. Yes, so funny. Back in a moment with more from Tim McAuliffe.
1: You think there's not a lot going on, but
0: look. What's new for 2022 on CTV? The network has plenty for you to get into this winter, including the long-awaited second season of Transplant, starring podcast guest Hamza Hack. Joining that award winner is another new Canadian scripted series called Children Ruin Everything. That's from Schitt's Creek's writer, producer, Kurt Smeaton. It's about how, well, children ruin everything. Also new in January is the emotionally driven crime drama, The Cleaning Lady. It's about a young mom who has to clean up after the mob or else. Then there's the comedy Pivoting, which follows three women, played by Jennifer Goodwin, Eliza Coop, and Maggie Q, who carry on after the death of a friend. New reality shows include Next Level Chef, with Gordon Ramsay screaming at home cooks at a three-story cooking competition. Then there's Disorder in the Court, as Steve Harvey stars as judge, jury, and host of a courtroom comedy featuring real people and real conflicts. It's called, appropriately enough, Judge Steve Harvey. Finally, remember Joe Millionaire? Well, he's back, or rather, two single millionaires, one real, one fake, compete in a new dating series, Joe Millionaire for Richer or Poorer. Get into the ball plus plenty more starting this month across CTV, ctv.ca, and the CTV app. Son of a critch, we're back. So you you did the Dodge Aries bit, and then you ended up on video on trial in Toronto at Much Music. Uh, yeah, so I, I did that,
1: and then I would just write to the video Much Music Video Awards, but I was there. Full time, so I would write, uh, you know, stuff and I did little bits uh, myself on much on demand and things like that. And then uh, I got a call to do um, to go try out the, it, for 22 minutes. And I, they, at the time, and I don't know if they still do this, they would do two week tryouts. Uh, and so you would go there, and then I guess at the end of the two weeks, they would either say you can continue on or, or not. And uh, and luckily, uh, Mark Farrell uh, was there running it and he uh, asked me to come back. It was for the last three weeks of the season. And then, um, and then, uh, wrote there for another two, three years. And then, uh, and then one, so uh, one, uh, sort of just right after we finished the third season of that, I don't know if I've told you the story, but I uh, moved to Paris uh, for the summer and I was like, I'd been going back and forth writing on corner gas and Regina in summers and then doing 22 minutes in the winter. And then, um, corner got stopped so i went back to i went to paris and i had just broken up with this woman and uh i was like i'm gonna write a movie it'll be you know i'll sit on the sand with you know my bag baguette and my uh <laughs> bottle of wine and so i sat down and i was like who the hell do i think i am this is ridiculous <laughs> like i'm like a cartoon <laughs>
0: So, so, uh, you were way so outside time, your I, you were way outside your Dodge Aries comfort zone here. I think. Uh, that, yeah,
1: exactly. I was also like just getting really high on my own supply, and <laughs> so I uh, so I moved to New York because uh, Nathan Fielder, who was on Twenty Two Minutes at the time, and yeah. uh, both looking to move to the states, and so we got an apartment in the Lower East Side of New York, and uh, and uh, we just sort of were trying to get jobs and and. Uh, I put together this little package that it was like a fake Facebook page. Um, and it was like designed with sketch ideas and stand up joke ideas uh, for Jimmy Fallon. And I brought it over to uh, 30 Rock. I had no manager or agent. So I brought it over to 30 Rock in the lobby. Really? <laughs> I gave it to the courier desk and I said, uh, can you give this to uh, Jimmy? And, uh, and I Googled the head writer was 80 miles at the time. And so I said, can you give it to them? And I made two packages and I, I went home and I got home and I got a call and they are like, uh, we got your package. Can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So I was like, I thought it was a joke. And then I went in and I met with AD and, uh, we talked for like an hour and he's like, well, let's get Jimmy in here. And so, uh, Jimmy came in, we talked for another hour. He said, Oh, thanks for coming. I left 30 rock walking down the street and, uh, Got a call and they were like, "Can you start Monday?" <laughs> and So I started wow. down that without a ma- manager agent, and and so it was really kind of. And I was like, I guess I'm going to stay and in, uh, in uh, New York instead of going back to uh,
0: Tim. To, that's um, that's an incredible story. I mean, um, <laughs> <isn't that weird? laughs> yeah. this sounds like a movie. You know, like you yeah. were literally handed packages to some guy in the lobby at Thirty Rock, and you you start working the next couple of days. I know. Wow. I and they had to sponsor a visa too.
1: Like I had no right to work in the States and oh my they had God. To do it all in yeah. like time and stuff. Yeah.
0: It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 gave you the, um, I don't know what it what it, the drive or the insight or just the, the notion that, that, that you could pull that off.
1: Well, I think and probably was my marketing background. I, I've always sort of tried to do uh, like, uh, Little things to break through, which is very embarrassing to say, but uh, like even when I worked, tried to get a job in advertising, I'd been faxing resumes for a long time, and no one would get back to me. And so I brought, I, I marketed, I put a case of bottled water together, and I put labels with my resume and a photo of myself on every bottle of water. <laughs> and I made a case <laughs> and uh, a awesome. case with like my face and everything. Uh. And I got four job offers in three days, like, uh, after two years of working at the front desk of the Royal York, trying to get a job in advertising. Wow. uh, Yeah,
0: yeah. That's fantastic. What a great story. Good for you. No, I'm always fascinated. Um, Now, uh, you know, your your credits go on and on. Jimmy, as you mentioned, Jimmy Fallon. How long? you, You wrote for him for a little while, right?
1: For a little over a year, and then I went to la uh and then uh oh no i actually went back to run 22 minutes and then uh, uh did that and then uh, my wife and i moved to la in 2011 uh and i got a job on this show called Apple all night which was um, Maya rudolph and will arnett and, will arnett and, yeah yeah
0: too bad you couldn't find more talented people to work with on that show <laughs> yeah.
1: like yeah. christina
0: applegate will arnett and, uh, maya, <laughs> and rudolph. maya rudolph
1: yeah yeah, wow.
0: yeah. Um, Not bad. So,
1: yeah, did that for two years and then in The Office after that. And then, um, uh, then Last Man on Earth
0: for four years. Yes. And I was a huge fan of this show, Last Man on Earth. Uh, uh, again, a brilliant pilot. Uh, very, very funny. Um, and that was uh, Will Forte, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And... and um, you, did you do you feel now looking back on that this is a show if people remember it it's about a virus that kind of wipes out all of mankind in yeah. two years were you guys just ahead of the game on that did you see it coming what was that all about right well, the best part is that
1: in the show tom hanks is the first guy to get it too oh and my like god and, yeah and really yeah yeah it's so weird it it is, it's one of those things where you look back on it, you're like, oh my God, because we were researching viruses and CDC and how people would react. And we had all these masks and tents and things like that. Wow. Um, and, uh, and it was really, yeah, it was just very, very sort of, it turned out to be on the nose incredibly and yeah, Trump got it in the show and everything like, yeah. so, uh, yeah, it was definitely very, um very weird when
0: that happens <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no kidding but very very funny show what yeah. tim you know and, and it's very eclectic your background here because these are different muscles you're using if you're starting out you're training on sketch on 22 minutes but you know that that's a lot a different voice than a talk show than a sitcom is writing just writing for you or how, how are you able to sort of jump in jump back and forth in different ways on different formats
1: Oh yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the ones anything I do with Mark, it's the most natural I think I've ever felt. Because and and I actually would say that again with uh, Will Forte. Um, we've been working on Magruber after we Right. Did the first season. Yeah. We started today on a or potentially maybe a second, but uh, we. But um, yeah, it's it's there's some times where you just connect with people that you just understand their style of comedy so well and love it, and uh, you just try to you know, be a part of that, you know? And, and so Mark and I have just always had this sort of shorthand. And so that, that stuff is always very, very key when it's someone you can really connect with. That's when it's at its best. Um, and then you, you, I mean, as a writer, I guess a lot of times you have to be a chameleon too. You've got to try to, you know, match what the intent of the, of the showrunner or the creator is. And, And, uh, and I find that the best ones now, having looked back, are the ones that you really connect. Uh, Emily Spivey is another one who is just a wonderful talent, but also just a wonderful person. And you just sort of you understand what they want um, comedically, and that and that that's where you really feel like you're you're locked in, uh, you know. Yeah. And so those are those are the ones. And it can be a multi camera, it can be a single cam, but you you just don't understand what they're going for and that sort of thing. So yeah,
0: that's yeah. always the best it it's uh, i admire it because um uh to me, uh, it it seems like a whole other headspace but that the relationship i guess as you say helps who you're working with um now uh just quickly and, and a lot of these folks you're mentioning too bless the hearts you the the, the what an incredible voice cast on that again maya rudolph mm-hmm. Kristen wig uh, bell everybody my god um did you shake your head sometimes you've gotten to play with some pretty cool folks right <laughs>
1: yeah it's really
0: cool
1: I'm, I'm always
0: blown away
1: you know there is that insecurity that People say uh, you get when you grow up in Canada <laughs> i don't know if that's the case or if it's just i'm insecure but like the the reality is it is really cool when you're like able to interact with people like that and, and uh, you know sort of and then write stuff that they end up you know saying and it's yeah. pretty pretty fun to watch and then um yeah it's 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 been a really it's also the the weirdest career because you are so self aware and so so self-deprecating it's a it's interesting because you don't always sort of get to enjoy it as much and my wife's always like well you just enjoy some moments of you know and then you're like well yeah, yeah. i don't know maybe my sentence was reworked and it didn't work as well And you know like and you're like, <laughs> like it's one of those ones where you've got to just thank you know be thankful that you get to do something
0: fun like that too. no kidding i i was it uh when you were coming again from 22 minutes and then um knocking on jimmy fallon's door but around that time i would think that you might have thought saturday night live that's where i would belong you know like that would be a logical step was that something you investigated or thought about
1: oh my god that was my dream and in fact we were one or two floors away right um, the studio so we i'd go through there a lot and you know just check it out even at night like we'd finish late and sometimes i'd just pop over and Take a look, and I—that uh, was my—that's to to be fully honest, still my dream. <laughs> I really, wow, really, I would love to uh, work on that show. But uh, yeah, I—I I, uh, it's it to me is the holy grail of, of mm-hmm. TV writing jobs. And so, yeah.
0: Were you ever able to t- take a break and and take in a few shows? Could you go to start to Saturday Night Live? Were you in the audience? Did you do a taping? Yeah, we yeah.
1: used to go, and, and then uh, the first time we went. Uh, Mark and I went and we went in the audience um, and uh, we went and uh, basically we left and we, we didn't know anyone. We were just visiting New York. It was like 2009. And I think Dan Aykroyd had done a little bit on the show. And, uh, and so he, we saw him sort of just walking over to this, to this place. And we were like, well, why is he walking? Like you know, they had all these cars lined up. And then we saw all these cast members walking over to this bar And so Mark and I were like, well, let's see what's going on there, you know. So we'd heard about these legendary after parties and stuff. And and so we followed Dan Aykroyd. And then we, we, I think Sudeikis and uh, I don't know who who it was, but basically they were all walking in. And so we just sort of morphed into the crowd and walked into this party. (laughs) And and we ended up staying until five, six in the morning and and talking to... (laughs) Uh, Ackroyd and I think he, he knew Mark a little bit, and then uh, and you know Baldwin, Alec, and then so and then uh, and then so years later, uh, Mark and I, uh, I you know I've been working with people that you know had been on SNL and that sort of thing. So we actually got tickets to go, Mark um, with Melissa, and my wife Jess, and I, to uh, stand in the writers' room and watch from the window there, wow. which is a little stressful because they're, all the writers are watching either their sketch die or thrive or or seeing writers that have had things cut and stuff um but we we uh went to the after party without having to sneak in that that time and it was (laughs) it was so weirdly new york so romantic you know just uh lauren just sits in the back corner and holds court and just very cool it was really fun to watch and and you know everywhere you turn it's just some new york celebrity and it was just really it's very interesting and i don't know that i could survived too many of those because it was seven in the morning when we we left <laughs> you know, wow yeah. Crazy. yeah
0: yeah imagine the people that do that show all the time we'll be right back with more from Tim McAuliffe in just a moment like the fella once said ain't that a kick in the head the room was completely black I hugged her and she hugged back like the sailor said quote Ain't that a hole in a bowl? What's new in January for the Canadian National Pay TV Movie Network, Super Channel? Well, for one thing, it's now the exclusive Canadian home of The Teacher, a gripping four-part psychological drama from Great Britain. BAFTA winner Sheridan Smith stars as Jenna Garvey, a popular teacher with a chaotic private life who, after a drunken night out celebrating a promotion, is accused of sleeping with a 15-year-old pupil. With no memory of the night in question, Jenna's only hope in redemption lies in uncovering the truth about what really happened that night. The weekly series premieres Sunday, January 16th, with each episode available for streaming on demand the very next day. And remember, Super Channel is available via most cable providers across Canada, as well as streaming on Amazon Prime Video and the Apple TV app. And we're back with Son of a Critch showrunner, Tim McAuliffe. Right now, besides Son of the Critch, you're also working on other stuff uh, simultaneously, aren't you?
1: Yeah, so uh, well, I was doing Son of a Critch, and then um, I just did a show with the Tony and Dan who uh, created uh, American Vandal. I don't know if you remember that um, and Netflix, but uh, it was a show. I, it was about uh, uh, it was like a true uh, a comedic true true crime documentary about. People painting penises on the side of cars, <laughs> and, and, it was, uh, and it was hilarious. It's like the, the funniest shows, and I think it, it got nominated for an Emmy and everything. It was like really great, and it was this Jimmy Tatro who is now becoming blowing up uh, as the star of it. And uh, so we we um, are doing a show for Paramount Plus about um, esports, uh, sort of uh, a, a mock documentary in the vein of uh, the Last Dance about Michael Jordan. About all um, oh, right, the League right, of yeah. Legends players, yeah, um, and uh, you know these guys who sell out, you know, the, the, all these huge le- the Staples Center up here and you know Air Canada Center, and they and they people go to watch them, you know, play League of Legends, and yeah. and it's a really quite an amazing world, and and um, so that's something that's coming out on Paramount Plus in the next uh, uh, little uh, little while, and um, shot at uh, through the summer as well.
0: That does seem ripe for uh, for making. Uh poking fun at i mean basically this it's I, I don't understand it completely because it's an arena full of people watching people playing simulated sports it sounds crazy
1: yeah right? i know but it's, <laughs> it's really interesting because you're like they the players are there and they're on the stage and the, the production value is amazing and yeah. uh and they uh and they the it's a really interesting world these teams and then you know, the, they all live together in these mansions and, and they get paid a million, two million dollars a year. And they have endorsement deals with Puma and different companies. And it's a really cool world. And you, I didn't know anything about it. And then as we got into it, and we did this in conjunction with a lot of these esports e- players that, you know, are pros that, you know, do really well. And we did it with Riot Games, the, the company that created League of Legends. And it's it's a really cool world. And, and uh, hopefully... I mean, I, I think it's got millions and millions of people playing it. So hopefully we've got uh, the starting points for an audience. And I, it's so funny. So hopefully that uh, that uh, does all right as well. But when that, will
0: that premiere on Paramount Plus?
1: I think it's March.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, right. But I'm not sure. That's cool. But Hopefully, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll be great. Um, yeah. Is there a difference? Do you think? Uh, or I'm sure you know the answer to this in in terms of writing rooms in Canada and the U S. Like you know, I mean, uh, probably they're bigger in the United States or more people in them. But um, is there any other difference? Yeah, I mean, I get you're right. They are uh, they're they're bigger. Um,
1: but uh, I don't know. I mean, everyone, I I was so surprised when I got into this industry, I thought everyone was going to be really like competitive and stuff. And people are just really incredibly nice, but I think that's on both sides of the border. And, and, uh, that's a really boring answer, but I I think the, the idea of, of, uh, the rooms themselves, I think it's still filled with the exact same types of people. Um, you know, I've had friends who were, you know, editors of the uh, Harvard Lampoon and, uh, they're equally as as insecure as, as anyone. <laughs> so it's it's one of those. I think there's like a kinship in, in insecurity and, and that sort of thing. But I think uh, it's 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 all the same. It really is just people who are kind of you know needing some validation, <laughs> like need. But uh, no, I think it's it's we just all like want, you know trying to find that next laugh and that sort of thing
0: is yeah something. Uh- and, and, uh, and the, the writing rooms are getting more diverse as well as the performers, right? That uh, you're finding people um, that, uh, you know, it used to be that the cliche of 20 white Harvard grads were writing for Letterman or something, right? But uh, things exactly. are changing, right?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Thankfully. I mean, it, it is it is one of those things where the male gaze has existed for a long time and it's, it's about time that we, yeah. we uh, correct that for sure. So, I mean, yeah, I think the, the reality is it's just it, the, this, you know, the sort of uh, idea of making sure that there's representation from from every different type of person is so valuable. It's crazy. And, and we just, uh, you know, we've benefited from that incredibly on uh, on Son of a Critch, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful... Because, um, you know, I think the reality is there's things that we all just share, and then there's voices that we just don't know and we can't write to. And So it's really nice to have that
0: voice, in, those voices in the room. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and is there a difference in approach in terms of, you know, you're mentioning paramount plus when you're approaching a streaming network and you don't have commercial breaks and things like that is it a uh what's that what's the difference you know your beats and everything i guess are coming in different places or is it the same as if you're writing something that's 22 minutes for a network
1: yeah i mean it is uh it's well i guess you know cable is always a little bit more um there's a bit more, you, you can, we've always thought of really a little bit more subtlety you can go with maybe a bit uh, more nuance and that sort of thing, just because it's more of a niche audience a lot of times, and cable and streaming, I mean, and, and uh, but I think that's sort of weirdly changing now. I think there's a desire from networks to even have that niche and that nuance, uh, um, because they know it's fragmented, and, you know, it used to be, you know, Cosby would get 60 million people, and now you know, uh two and a half million people uh, is a success story. So um, yeah, yeah. you know I'm in the states. So yeah. it's uh it's really interesting. So I I think it's all changing. And I think whatever is sort of the thing that is most popular at this time, people always seem to sort of follow that for a bit and that sort of right. thing. And I think, you know, hacks is such a great show and Ted right. Lasso is so funny. And so yeah, I don't know. It's it's people are starting to see that, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be huge big stars, big production and that sort of thing. You can have yeah. many stuff.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you have much cool. time to watch television? Do you watch, do you still watch a lot or too busy? Yeah, Well,
1: you know, it's, yeah, I, I do. I, I've been, I mean, I'm loving succession. We were just talking about it
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I, am you know, trying to figure out actually if successions, it's more of a comedy in my mind, but it, <laughs> it, it, it the characters are so funny and great, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, been watching uh, also weirdly comfort TV during this pandemic is I've been watching a lot of okay. Seinfeld. <laughs> okay, they're perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So
0: I don't uh, know uh, if I mention this to you. I, I collect. 60 millimeter film i have all kinds of old you know the big reels of film of tv shows like the dick van dyke show and uh no kidding, no. yeah and so and i literally have fall preview clips from the 60s and 70s that's my comfort food like i uh i, I still thread instead of uh, stream you know that's
1: I, where do you get, get buy those
0: uh ebay and other collectors film collectors in la and all over the states and uh, there used to be a film festival upstate New York in Syracuse, and uh, there's still one in Columbus. And people gather and swap and sell. And uh, I just picked up a, a reel of uh, The Phil Silver Show, fantastic okay. comedy. Uh, yeah. From Wait, the, you the, that yeah, a- yeah, I got that from just a collector in the States, and it was uh, uh, Private Harry Speak Up. It's a great episode where they accidentally enlist a monkey into the <laughs> it's a very funny episode yeah. uh so it, it's it's fun to look back at all that stuff and um uh, yeah more and more people are yeah. uh, are finding it online now now you can just speak into a remote and bring it up uh yes, you know it's, right it's, it's, it's a lot easier um uh, mm-hmm. when you were growing up in montreal tim was there a, a show that uh, you loved as a kid was there uh, something that you just had to see all the time uh, as a youngster
1: um, well, there was Canadian shows that I loved, you know, obviously Littles, Tobo and things like that. I was, uh, early days, but I remember first shows I really got into were, um, you know, sort of that area of like, of Thursday night programming, uh, where it was NBC's must see TV. It was, you know, in that zone of like cheers. It was, yeah. I believe it was family ties, cheers, Cosby and night court. And, right. uh, and i i don't know if you i don't know if you remember that uh, night court that well but um, i rewatched it recently and it was like oh i could see why kids would like this show <laughs> <laughs> there was one episode where bull had his hand glued accidentally to his bald head <laughs> and then he was trying to get it off the whole episode and then at the very end of the episode he pulls it off and they cut to his hand and the fingers are this long and you're like, Oh my God, it's a cart!" <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I really loved, uh, I love all those shows. Yeah. How about you?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. The, uh, you know, again, Dick Van Dyke show and watch those, uh, reruns, I guess. And, and, uh, A lot of animated cartoons, you know, the Jetsons, the uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh, stuff like that for sure, growing up. Uh, I think Richard Ball is is still around, isn't he, from Night Court? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. He had a bit of bad luck. Did he? (laughs) I didn't know. Uh, but did you ever have an urge to cast somebody in a, a show you're working on that was just a favorite of yours and you just, wow, if I could ever give this guy a, a job, I would plunk him in this role?
1: Uh, well, I mean, my my favorite is uh, has been always Ted Danson. Uh, he's just someone I find very funny. And, uh, and I've slowly got to know him a little bit uh, here and there. I mean, he probably wouldn't. Know who I am, but he he came to our Christmas party a couple of years ago here at the house, and he's because uh, he's married to uh, Mary Steenburgen, who yeah. was on Last
0: Man. And yeah,
1: he's my dream. He's uh, he's he's. I just find him to be very funny and sort of in a very dry way, and so I would love to do something with him. But um, but yeah, I think you know. And then obviously, you know, I would love to work with Steve Coogan. Uh, who oh I yeah, we adore. Uh, uh, but. Um,
0: he was astounding in that Laurel and Hardy film, Stan and Ollie. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty He's incredible. Really a great actor. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, speaking of uh, of Seinfeld, Julia Louis Dreyfus would be one of yeah. my all time favorites too. She's, I mean, phenomenal. So yeah. Those those three are probably <laughs> pretty high up
0: there. There would seem to be room in uh, Son of a Critch to to have some uh, pretty interesting guest stars. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're planning romantic storylines for Malcolm McDowell's character, but uh, <laughs> yeah. there there's certainly actors actresses that Mark has worked with on 22 Minutes who could parachute in there. I would think, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I mean. And there's yeah there's a bunch of uh, people that we've we've discussed and in in fact approached uh, in the first season, but because of COVID, it was just so hard to put yeah. people to come in for one day and that sort of thing. So hopefully in the second season we can get into some of our wish list of people that we really really like. And
0: no kidding, yeah. That- provided there
1: is a second season, I guess. Yeah.
0: I think it's looking good. I think it's looking good. Listen, I got one last question for you. I always ask yeah. everybody on the. Podcast this one and uh, uh, don't hold back if you want to sing it. What's your favorite all-time TV theme song?
1: Oh. well, I, do people say a Little Hobo a lot because I, I love that one. Uh, That's you know. a good
0: choice. Yeah. No, So, it so, the, yeah. So there was two versions of Little Hobo. There was the old black and white one, and it has a different theme than the color one, which was made around 1980. Right. This, oh, the the eighty God. one. Most people remember about. Um, Someday, I'll. uh,
1: The voice keeps on calling me down the road. That's where I'll always be. Every stop I make, I'll make a new friend. Can't
0: stay for long, just turn around and come again. Something like
1: that. That's awesome. Yes.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I expect to hear that on future episodes of uh, Son of a Critch. It would fit in with the uh, Wayne & Schuster lunch uh, box and everything else. Yes. Very <laughs> yeah. Canadiana. Um, listen, uh, Tim, I appreciate your time, and uh, congratulations on all your success. I'm looking forward to seeing the eSports show on Paramount+. But as far as Son of a Critch goes, that's Tuesday nights at 8.30, I believe, uh, across Canada, 9 o'clock in Newfoundland, uh, and CBC, and uh, it's off to a great start. So congratulations on that show. It's a, it's a wonderful um, half hour, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So good for you guys.
1: That's really nice. Thanks so much. Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down until tomorrow. Just keep
0: moving on. Maybe tomorrow, the Littlest Hobo theme song sung by our guest Tim McAuliffe was from the second version of the series. That one ran on CTV from 1979 to 1985. An earlier black-and-white version of Hobo ran from 1963 to 1965. And yes, I do have a couple of prints of that on 16mm. The fun in watching old episodes of this series is to spot the guest stars, Sure, there are Canadians such as Al Waxman, Megan Follows, Michael Ironside, Sal Rubinek, John Vernon, Chris Makepeace, Karen Kane, Leslie Nielsen, Jane Eastwood, and even Mike Myers tailing the German Shepherd. But also American actors such as Gilligan's Island skipper Alan Hale Jr., DeForest Kelly, Ray Walston, Maury Amsterdam, Abe Vigoda, Vic Morrow, Henry Gibson, and John Carradine. Maybe Tomorrow was originally performed by Terry Bush, with music by Bush and lyrics by John Crossan. Bush was chosen to write the song after penning some memorable country and western-style jingles for the Eaton Centre, the Toronto Zoo, and Canada Dry. The song later turned up as an ad jingle for Ducks Paint in the States, as in, maybe tomorrow I'll prime the laundry room. A cover of the song was also featured in Season 10 of another low-budget Canadian TV favorite, Trailer Park Boys.
1: The road. That's, where I'll always
0: be. That's it for this episode of Brio TV, the podcast. If you like how everything sounds, thank producer Phil Hong. Artwork by Katie Brio. Please follow and subscribe on Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, or wherever you listen to these things. And remember, you can always catch up on TV news and reviews daily at Brio.tv. I'm Bill Brio. Thanks for listening.